Evening, everyone. Pray for me. I'm wondering what I'm going to do tomorrow morning in Philly. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm going to change these things back to Wednesday. <laughs> but it's good to see everyone. I've always uh, enjoyed the sizzling summer deal when I get the privilege to, to be here. Um, some things on my heart. Uh, I'm not an evangelist. I, I believe I have an exhortation. Um, looking at the world we're living in, looking at what's going on around us, looking at the culture, looking at the direction, throwing up our hands. Who do we listen to? Who do we believe? And if somebody, I'm an adult. Somebody just tell me the truth and I'll make up my mind about what I want to do and how I want to live. And you know, I'm, uh, I'm just thinking of the the beginnings of the church and the environment that they were in. So let's bow our hearts, let's pray, and then we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 if you have your Bible. Father, we thank you for the, the worship tonight, singing your praise. Lord, thank you for the rain, Lord. It, uh, your word is like the rain. It comes down and it accomplishes, Lord. It never returns void. So we're thankful. And Lord, as we have opportunity to look into the scripture this evening, we, we trust you to lead us. Lord, I ask that you would speak to my heart. Lord, there are these things here uh, of your leading and of your empowerment, of truth, Lord, in the day that we live in. So, Lord, I ask that you lead. You give us our portion. You know each of us, Lord. We said earlier, you know those that are broken here, those that are hurting, those that are rejoicing. Lord, you... Know every story that we don't see. Lord, man looks on the outward appearance. That's the world's problems today. But you look upon the heart. So, Lord, we lift our hearts to you. Give us your word. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, a few verses. Then we'll just take some time and look at it. You should be familiar with this. You've been here in a Bible teaching church. Uh, by the way, your pastor's is you should thank God all the time for your pastor. He drags me out. I'm an old guy and he still makes an opportunity for me. And he's always been a huge encouragement to me. So the former treatise, have I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and to teach till the day in which he was taken up after that he had through the Holy Ghost given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he had showed himself alive, that's central, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, by the way, that has the idea of sitting down eating together with this risen one, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, we're going to talk about that, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Because he had spoken to them for 40 days about the kingdom. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season the Father has put in his own power. This is 
not where we're going, and besides that, you don't need to know everything. He has to tell me that all the time. Verse 8 is kind of now central to the book of Acts. This is what we're going to look at. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. What a remarkable scene. You know, just looking at this, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I know Bob, when I first met Bob, we had both come out of charismania, come out some really strange things. And then you're sorting out, you know, you're studying the word and you're trying to figure out, oh, Lord, what's, where's good, where's bad, what's, what's kosher here? And, you know, as Calvary Chapel, we're in an interesting place because the, the cessationists who don't believe any of the gifts are today, the, 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 they, they think we're charismaniacs. And the charismaniacs think we're Baptists because we grieve the spirit. You can't speak in tongues at a service. So that's a good place to be. We're in the middle. And, and we get beat from both sides. That's a wonderful place to be. And I think as we look at what the scripture says about the Holy Spirit, it's, it's huge. Look, the day that we're living in, you know, it says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. This was the, the time that God had planned. There was no First Amendment rights. You couldn't say what you want with the Romans and the religious Jews around. There was certainly no Second Amendment rights. They were being ruled, you know, by the heel of Rome. And yet it's into that that God sends his son, Jesus. And it's into that world that these apostles then will step. And Jesus now has them gathered. His ascension is at hand. He's been with them for 40 days after the resurrection. And what he tells them here is he says, wait, you know, wait. Until you receive power. You know, you, you think Matthew at the end of his gospel, he says there, go ye therefore into all the world. But the the, the Greek there is having gone. What he says to them there is, once you've gone, this is what I want you to do. Mark's gospel ends by saying, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But again, it's the same phrase, having gone. Once you've gone, I want you to be preaching the gospel to, to every creature. Luke 24 says, and he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooveth Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. So Luke ends with very much the picture he gives us here in the beginning of Acts to tarry. And here in Acts, it says, wait, they're assembled together. Jesus says, now I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Look, and in all of those texts, the context is the unsaved world. This, this world that we're in, you know, if there's not gonna be a revival, Lord, blow the trumpet and get us the heck out of here. 
I don't see any sense sticking around here in the flesh. You know, Chuck Smith has come and gone, Billy Graham's come and gone, J.I. Packer's come and gone, Warren Wiersbe come. You look at some of these great men and women of the faith, and if they're handing the baton now to our generation, I'm thinking, Lord, we can't take this in the flesh. You know, they changed a generation, they changed a nation. If things are falling to us, Lord, I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this in the flesh. Look what we're up against. We're outgunned. We're outmanned. Look what they're teaching our kids in elementary schools. Look what they're saying in the media. Look at the, you know, nobody, the gender issue. Look at what's going on all around us. I'm thinking, Lord, we don't stand a chance in our own energy. And if these apostles, you ask them to wait until they were dude with power, to affect the world of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the, of the earth, that's a lesson for us. Now, I don't do good at waiting. I don't like to wait. I'm not a good waiter. I don't know about you guys. I don't like to wait in traffic. I tell Christians Sunday morning how they should act as Christians, and then somebody gets in front of me driving too slow on the way home, and I don't act like a Christian. Somebody at the checkout stand takes out a check. They think that's why it's called a checkout stand. I'm saying, come on, let me, I, I'll give you cash. Let me just pay for you. I got I to go. Jesus is coming. I can't stand around here all day while you're doing this. I'm not good at waiting. I don't know about you guys. I'm impatient. My wife always tells me, you're so impatient. You're so impatient. That's because I sense the Lord's return is so close. I don't have any time to mess around. I have excuses for my attitude. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. Just reading and talking to Josh, my son on the way down, about Oswald Chambers. Oswald, you guys familiar with Oswald Chambers? Yeah. My utmost for his highest? You and me. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. You know, he, he, growing up in, in Scotland, young man, he was going to go to the University of Edinburgh. He's going to be an engineer. His parents were excited. And he, and he bows out and decides to go to Noonan to this seminary. And, and his parents were discouraged with, with that and so forth. But he, he had gotten saved. He wanted to serve the Lord. He knew what he wanted to do. And as he's getting involved in ministry, he said he starts to develop this, this hunger, this thirst for the Holy Spirit. And he said he knew there needed to be more going on in his life of God's power, but he said it was torture. For four years he waited. He said, I was waiting, I was praying. He said, and he said, finally God manifests himself to me. He's already born again, successful Christian ministry. He said, but he said, if I'd have gone another year without being filled afresh, I'd end up in an asylum. He said, that's how crazy it was driving me. So he said, I'm at this meeting, and after the evening meeting, they handed it to a woman in the church, not to teach, but she led then an evening prayer meeting. And he said, I'm sitting there listening, and he said, I stood up and said, I don't know about everybody, but I just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This has to be real. Luke chapter 11, 13 says, how much more will the Father give, to the, give the Spirit to those who ask? And, and, and I just need that. And he sat down, and he said, the woman said, oh, and he said, she knew him. They knew each other. Oh, he said this for all of us. This is a great exhortation. He said, so if things were as though they weren't bad enough, I stood back up again and said, I didn't say that for anybody but myself. 
He said, he said, these are this Christianity things phony or I got the wrong end of the stick. He said, but I need to be filled with the Spirit. And he said, doggedly, I just claimed, Lord, I want to be filled afresh with your Spirit. He said, the next night they had me share and 40 people got saved. And he said, I was terrified. I didn't rejoice. I didn't know what to do. He said, I asked an older friend of mine, Mr. McGregor, what do I do? And he said, don't you remember? You asked for the fullness of the Spirit in front of everybody. And he said, my life began to change. And he said, I realized that God's promise was there to take hold of my heart. How much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? And that I had to receive a greater measure of the Holy Spirit in faith the same way I had received Jesus Christ as Savior by faith. And Oswald Chambers' life began to change then. He died 41 years old in Egypt. He was buried in a cemetery in Cairo, military cemetery. 41 years old, ruptured appendix, infection, died. But on his tombstone, it says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And certainly this book of Acts is written this way for us to have that thirst. 59 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts. It was A.W. It was Tozier who said, he said, if the Holy Spirit was removed from the church today, 95% of what we're doing would keep right on going and nobody would know the difference. He said in the book of Acts, if the Holy Spirit was removed, 95% of what they were doing would have come to a screeching halt and everybody would have known the difference. You know, um, just this desire for this. I don't know about you guys. I'm not content to give a good Bible study anymore. I want to speak life. You know, we're in this season in human history where, where we need something from God of reality. Not I have objective, you know, theology. I, I have my own personal system, but I need something subjective as well. I have a relationship with my wife, with my children. I need that personal relationship with Jesus Christ in my life to be deepened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm longing for that. And, the, and what he shows us here, and it's in context of the unsaved world, this promise, look, the world around us, you know, America, I don't know what future we have in America, but I know America has no future without us. Not, not a candidate. I got people in my church that are more, well, the Lord's church in Philadelphia. I have people coming to the church there that are more excited about Trump coming back than Jesus Christ coming back. I'm thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing? We, we have to be salt and light to this lost world. These apostles stepped into a Roman world and a Jewish antagonistic religious world. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they changed the world. They changed the world. This story goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Rome to the other most parts of the earth by the time... They say within 70 years, by the time that Jerusalem destroyed, that's 40 years, I'm sorry, that there were 100,000 believers in Jerusalem through the power of the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting here. I love last words. I, I, I have books about people's last words. The last thing we have here, verse 8, is the last thing, red letters I got here. Jesus says... 
you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and he floats away. That's it? What, what about the five-year plan? What about the 10-year plan? What about, uh, you know, the next step? You know, uh, what about ecclesiology? How do we organize the church? Lightfoot tells us by the end of the first century, there were Episcopal, Presbyterian, and congregational forms of government. That was right from these guys. They didn't know what they were doing in some sense. That's why Satan hasn't stopped the church. We don't know what we're doing. If we had one method and one plan, he'd have stopped it long ago. We have a workaround on everything. Crazy thing to me as I look at this and I just think about it, he says, wait, because, you know, last words, you know, you think of this. Years ago, I remember being in Israel when, when, when Reagan bombed Libya and had Israelis coming up saying, tell Reagan, we said thank you, when, like I was going to see him as soon as I get back, you know. <laughs> Or, or I was in Northern California when the towers went down in New York and 911 had a crazy time getting home. And you just feel so far away from your family and your wife talking to my wife on the phone. What do you do? Okay, if this happens, do this. Okay, go to church and ask them. If this blows up, you need to do this. You know, thinking, am I ever going to see them again? Is this going to precipitate? And, and, and you think, you know, I think I'd have done anything if, if I could have been there. You know, I'm thinking... What would I, if I was leaving, what would I leave for my wife, for my bride, and for my children, knowing that they were going to be driven out of their home, knowing they were going to be persecuted, knowing they were going to be martyred, knowing the difficulties my wife, my kids, my family would face, if I was like Jesus and all authority in heaven and earth was given to me and I was omnipotent and I was all powerful and I could leave my family, my loved ones, anything to sustain them, what would I leave them? Ammo? Jugs of water, grain, you know, rifles. I mean, what, what, what would I leave? It's so interesting. Jesus says to these guys, wait, and he floats away. And what he's saying to them is, look, you've been with me for three years. No amount of seminary training, no amount of seeing miracles, no amount of teaching, no amount of your own talents, no amount of your own issues. There isn't anything that is sufficient in all that's come to you so far without the fire of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter you spent three years with me listening. It doesn't matter I've just spoken to you for 40 days about the things of the kingdom. All of that tender, you know, wood needs, needs to burst in the flame by the, by the fire of the Holy Spirit. You need to wait for that to happen so you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. There's no plan besides that. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, look, I look at the church today, young pastors in particular, and I feel so bad sometimes because what they're doing is they go online, you know, so they can put their church together. Okay, there's things to learn there. But they look at the churches with the most, you know, seats 
filled. They look at the churches with the best lighting, the best smoke machines, the best laser, the best, you know, rock bands, the best. And, and they think if we put all these pieces together, this is how, you know, you bake a pie. Here's the, here's the formula, here's the recipe, and you put it in the oven, and a pie comes out. The church is loaded for bear on the horizontal. Churches across the country loaded for bear on the horizontal. We could all close down and through media still minister to our people. And some guys got so comfortable doing that, they're still doing it. <laughs> Getting paid and sitting at home. Where we lack, where I lack, is the vertical. The reality in this early church was the vertical. And he says, you need to wait till you're endued with power to be witnesses, not go witnessing, to be witnesses. This is not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, when the, you know, if you guys remember the charismatic movement, all of those things were about the gifts. And then the argument in the church was, you know, is, do, are the gifts for today or tongues for today? It was just all of this. This is not about that. What Jesus is saying, then, certainly there were gifts in the book of Acts. I, I am not a cessationist. I believe, you know, I, I pray in the spirit at home. But this is not about that. That's not what he's putting in front of them here. Let's just, I'm going to track this word for you, martyr, witnesses. It means to be a martyr, martus, marturio, the words. And look, these men that we're going to look at here that are with him, they become martyrs, Pentecost, filled with the spirit, they die, they're martyred years later. They only prove they were a martyr then, but they had already given up their lives long before that. And the Holy Spirit had been, you know, have the steering wheel of their hearts. So let me just run through some things. You can sleep. I'll wake you up when we're done here. You know, we looked in Luke 24, and, and here's the interesting thing. When we go through these words, Whenever it says they were witnesses, it's relative to this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It says here, 40 days he spoke about the kingdom. It says being assembled, they were sitting at the table with the risen one. Just imagine what that was like. Did he still have the nail marks in his, in his hand? Did he still have, you know, scars of the thorns in his brow? Did he still, you know, they, they were with him. They were eating with him. They're dialoguing with him. They, you know, death has got pushed to the side. Here's the risen one. And he says, you need to let the world know about this. Look, the world we're living in it has no hope. It's in darkness. There's no light. They're despairing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is in the center of human history. And without that, there's no hope in the world we're in. Here it says you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to these things. Listen, in Luke, what we read there before, it says it behooveth Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, martyrs, you're witnesses of these things that he rose on the third day. We're told here in, in, one eight, in one eight, wait till you can be martyrs, witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, the other most parts of the earth. In one twenty-two, it says, beginning from the baptism of John, they're looking for somebody to replace Judas. Unto the same day he was taken up, must one be ordained a witness with us of his resurrection. A witness with us of his resurrection. Acts chapter 2, 32, and Jesus got, hath God raised up, 
whereof we are all witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus being raised up. Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says, But you denied the Holy One, that just one, Peter preaching, and desired a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. The resurrection, telling people the gospel, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension. For you and I, we need power to do that. Acts chapter 5 it says, God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Him God exalted at his right hand with power to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to those who obey him of his resurrection. This one God has raised up. Acts chapter 10 says, we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God to whom, with whom he did eat and drink after he rose from the dead. Acts chapter 13 says, and when they have fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree. They laid him in the sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them who came up from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses. That you need power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all through this. Here's our word, witnesses. Paul's testimony, when he's before Festus and Felix, he, he says, for God shall be his witness, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen. Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus and heard. Again, he he, when he's talking to Felix, he says, I said, who art thou, Lord? His conversion experience. And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of the things which thou hast seen, that's the resurrection, and those things that have appeared unto you. Peter, in his first epistle, chapter 5, says, The elders who are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness, there's our word, martis, of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. That was relative to his resurrection. Acts chapter 4, it says, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You get the idea here? This is not so we can jabber in tongues. You know, Chuck Smith used to say, the steam is in the engine not to blow the whistle, but to move the train. Okay? All of this, he's saying they should be witnesses of the resurrection and they need divine power. I need it in my life. If you don't need it, pray for me. Maybe I'm here so you can all pray for me because you already got it. I want everything he asks for me. Pray for me. Then we change to the word martyrio. And this is really interesting because it's always interpreted in regards to character. It's a form of the same word. It says here... Acts chapter 6, remember when they're picking Stephen and the others to serve, to wait on tables and so forth. It says in Acts chapter 6, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you for seven men of honest report, marturio, 
full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Again, it says of Cornelius, you remember Acts 10, they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man that feareth God and of good report, Marturio, among all the nations of the Jews, was warned by God, by a holy angel, to send for thee into his house to hear his words. Again, in chapter 16 of the book of Acts, it tells us this, then came to Derbe and Lystra Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there, his name was Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess who believed, but his father was a Greek, who was well reported Marturio by the brethren and them that were at Lystra. Again, it says in regards to Ananias, remember who came and prayed for Paul, one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report, he's a witness, Marturio. And then it says in First Timothy about leaders in the church, moreover, if somebody wants to be an elder, he must have a good report, Marturio among, he must be a witness to them that are without, lest he fall in the temptation of the devil. Listen, that's important for this reason. It's in Corinth where we hear everything about tongues and we hear everything about all of this going on and we get somehow the idea that unless you're being charismatic in the sense of Pentecostal, that you're not a good witness. Here's the truth. The reason we read about those things in Corinth is because they were abusing all those things, doing all that in the flesh. This is Corinth. Corinth is famous for fornication, famous for being divided, famous for getting drunk at the communion table. Corinth is a mess. They are a bad witness. Though they're all talking in tongues, they're all doing the spiritual stuff, they are a bad witness. It says here that if we are filled with the Spirit and we're giving testimony of the resurrection of Christ, that our character should step in line with that. If we're going to be light, light is not heard, it's seen. If we're going to be salt, salt is not heard, it's tasted. That if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and giving testimony to the world around us that's lost at this last hour of human history, it has to be in the power of the Spirit, and that's life-changing. That's what it's saying here. Look. These guys, he tells them, wait till you receive power. James beheaded, Matthias eaten alive of vultures, Jude Thaddeus crucified, shot full of arrows, Nathaniel skinned alive and crucified, Philip was hanged, Andrew was crucified, Matthew was beheaded, Mark was drugged behind a chariot till he was dead, Luke was crucified. James Alpheus thrown from the temple roof. Thomas was impaled in India. Simon Zelody sawn in pieces. Peter crucified upside down. Paul beheaded. These guys were not worried about, can I watch this? Can I go to this movie? Can I do this? Can I exercise this? These are guys who are filled with the Holy Spirit, testimonies, and they're not willing to, to, to lay down their witness for anybody. I need that. I don't know about you guys. I need that in my life. I'm 70 years old and I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't need last year's filling. I need this. Last year's filling was a bummer. We were all locked down. I was preaching. I was, I was preaching to an empty room for a couple of months. It drove me crazy. And look, the good thing about this, when we read through it, yes, filled, you know, when we're baptized by the Spirit, 
at conversion, we are baptized by one spirit into one body, into Christ. That is being placed into the mystical body of Jesus Christ at conversion by the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer, baptizing us into the mystical body of Christ. When I got saved, I didn't say, gee, Holy Spirit, would you baptize me into the mystical body of Christ? When I got saved, I said, oh, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I need to be saved. And, and I was saved and I was placed in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. This baptism, it's not the Holy Spirit baptizing, it's Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Not in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. He's the baptizer here. And it's to give us power to be witnesses. And it can be at the same time we're saved. It can be subsequent. It can happen. And then once we are saved, we still need that. It tells us in chapter 4 here, well, in chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know that. Then Peter stands up in chapter 4, verse 8, and it says, Peter filled, class condition, a fresh new filling. Well, I thought he was filled on Pentecost. He was, but he needed to be filled again. Acts chapter 4 says, when they had prayed, the place was shaken. I wish this place would be shaken while we're here. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Fresh new filling. You guys good with that? Come on. You guys, you guys like free refills? That's what we're talking about. You guys like free, free real refills? That's what we're talking about here. They were all filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I need that. One time's not enough. I need to be filled again. Acts 13 says, then Saul, Ananias comes to him, was filled with the Holy Ghost and his eyes were up. Ananias said, the Lord has sent me to you, brother Saul, to pray that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill the Holy Spirit. That's subsequent to his conversion. People say, well, maybe Paul was not yet able to. Listen, when Jesus appears to you, brighter than the noonday sun, knocks you off your horse to the ground, and you say, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And then you say, what do you want me to do, Lord? You're a believer at that point in time. <laughs> Subsequent to that, they pray for him and he receives the filling of the Spirit. In Samaria, which is part of the, the injunction here, it says Peter and John go up because they heard the Samaritans had received the Holy Spirit. And it says when they went up there, they laid hands on them and then they were filled with the Spirit. They were already disciples. That's subsequent to their experience. In Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to Ephesus and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they say, we didn't even hear about the Holy Spirit. Now, the church loves to argue there. Some try to say the translation is, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Which means that it's a subsequent experience. Some try to say, well, it means, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Which means that it's a one-time experience. It happens when you get saved. That's all a mute argument because you go down a few verses Paul explains to them the baptism of John is not enough. He baptizes them in the name of Jesus. Obviously, they're believers. And it says afterward, 15 minutes, an hour, a day, an afternoon. Afterward, he lays hands on them and they're filled then with the Holy Spirit. So we look at these things, Oswald Chambers again. How much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask him? 
You can be filled with the Spirit as we go through the book of Acts while testifying, Peter was. You can be filled with the Spirit while you're praying, Acts 4.31. You can be filled with the Holy, the Holy Spirit while you're listening to the Word of God, the house of Cornelius. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. There's no rules to all of this. But no one should be afraid. Well, what if you, you know, you say this prayer and you ask God to fill you with the Spirit and you get demonic tongues. That's stupid. That's almost blasphemous that our Father in Heaven who's already given His best, how's He going to deny, you know, He won't deny us anything else. He's already given us His Son. There's a logic there. And everybody in this room, nobody here should be hesitant to say, Lord, this is 2021. The world is going down the tubes. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might share the power and truth of the gospel and your resurrection with the lost worlds around us, right? Okay? We're, that's the kind of charismaniacs we all want to be, right? So you, just so you know for sure that this is from a book called Spiritual Leadership, written by Billy Graham, but this is the testimony of Stephen Olford. He says this, Billy's soul was indeed ablaze. He had gotten saved. He wanted to be an evangelist. Unsophisticated, he was painfully aware of his limitations. But he was full of passion to, be, to fulfill what he believed God was calling him to do, to spread the gospel, the good news, as a message of liberation and love. As he found some success as an evangelist, he continually sought a greater connection and empowerment. During a mission to the British Isles, he met a young Welsh evangelist named Stephen Olford, who had the spiritual qualities Billy longed for. He had a dynamic, an exhilaration about him I wanted to capture. After hearing Olford preach on being filled with the Holy Spirit, Billy approached him and said, you've spoken of something that I don't have. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life as well. In a small stone hotel, Olford led Billy step by step through the Bible verses on the Spirit's power, which had produced Olford's profound spiritual renewal a few months earlier. The effects of the mentoring, however, were not evident in any of the evening services. Quite frankly, said Olford, his preaching was very ordinary. Neither his homiletics, nor his theology, nor his particular approach to the Welsh people made much of an impact. The Welsh are masters at preaching, and they expect hard, long sermons with a couple of hours of solid exposition. Billy was giving brief little messages. They listened, but it wasn't their kind of preaching. The crowd was small, passive, and to Billy's invitation, unresponsive. I gave him my testimony on how God had completely turned my life inside out, an experience of the Holy Spirit in his fullness and anointing, said Olford. As I talked, I can see him now, those marvelous eyes glistening with tears. And he said, Stephen, I see it. That's what I want. That's what I need in my life. Olford suggested they pray this through, and the both men knelt on the floor. I can still hear Billy pouring out his heart in prayer in total dedication to the Lord, said Alford. Finally, he said, my heart, it's so flooded with the Holy Spirit, and we went from praying to praising. 
And we were laughing and praising God. And Billy was walking back and forth across the room crying, I have it. I'm filled. This is a turning point in my life. He was a new man. That night when Billy preached for reasons known to God alone, the place which had only been moderately filled the night before was packed to the doors, said Alford. As Billy rose to speak, he was a man absolutely anointed. Members of the audience came forward to pray before Billy gave the invitation. And at the end of the sermon, practically the entire crowd rushed forward. My own heart was so moved by Billy's authority and strength that I could hardly drive home, Alford remembers. When I came to the door, my father looked at my face and said, what on earth happened? I sat down at the kitchen table and said, Dad, something has happened to Billy Graham. The world is going to hear from this man. If you don't need that, pray for me. I need it. I covet your prayers. I'm longing in the day that we're living in for a fresh filling of God's spirit. I look at what's going on in the world. People are mad at me just because, you know, if I say I believe something, I don't know much, but I believe something. And to me, and now I'm the closed-minded you know, zealot or something. I'm the radical because I believe one thing. I believe Jesus came. He died for me, rose from the dead. He ascended and he's coming back again. I believe that. And, and now that's too narrow. It's too bigoted. It's, and if I do it in the flesh, it will come across that way. But I need a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit. And I don't know if there's a Billy Graham sitting here, or Gigi Graham, or some other Graham. I don't know if there's an Oswald Chambers here. I don't know who's listening. I don't know whose heart is being touched. I know this old man doesn't want to live out his days in the flesh. I want a fresh feeling of God's Holy Spirit. I look at the world and how lost and how broken it is. And people need us to speak about the resurrection, the love of Christ in their lives with power, not in human machinations and energy. We need something real. We need something that the people in this world are going to get something from the church and their baloney meters are not going to go off in their heart. Right? Something not phony. I need that. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you just to grab one person, doesn't matter who it is, and just pray. Let that person pray for you for a fresh filling of the Spirit, and you do the same for them. If you're afraid, you can run out now. <laughs> but if you want what Billy Graham had, an ability to communicate the gospel clearly to a lost world, I encourage you to stay, because that's not human energy. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is not for jabbering in tongues. I pray in tongues, that's, but that's not what the power of the Holy Spirit is for being a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, like these women we saw earlier on the screen, right? So I'm going to end in prayer. Then what each, I just want each one of you just grab somebody, take a moment before we end, and just pray for that person to be filled with the Spirit. Let that person pray for you. 
And just let's ask our Savior, our Lord, who said to us, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's not a conversion. That's an afterward. Father, I know you've overheard, Lord, and we, we put our hearts before you. Lord, we know you're able. We know you're willing. You put these things before us. You tell earthly fathers that they shouldn't frustrate their children, Lord, provoke them. We know that you don't put these things in front of us to tantalize us, Lord. We know you're pleased when we come and we ask for things according to your promise. So Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your person. We think of Jesus saying, I have been with you, but I shall be in you. And let us live out our lives, Father, crucified lives. Let us live them out in the power of your spirit, not in our flesh, Lord. We're easily provoked. We don't like to wait. There's so many things we can see about our own lives that are still not Christ-like. And we don't want to undertake what's between this evening and your return in the energy of our flesh, Lord. You've chosen us for such a time as this. Would you give us the anointing the filling that's in keeping with these days, Lord, that's in keeping with your wisdom, your genius, choosing us for, for these days, Lord. It's a mystery to us sometimes. Lord, let us go home tonight with these things on our heart. Teach us each day, Lord, to be seeking you, your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, through your spirit, your presence, Lord. Fill us, Lord, that we could be witnesses of your love, of your resurrection, Lord. We believe, we're praying according to your will, Lord, in your name. And we pray you get the glory. Amen.